the pandemic hit and apparently uh, we don't have uh, like all over the world we don't have uh, personal protective equipment um, for our um, healthcare professionals and other people doing necessary work uh, in this field and then you had an idea of producing mass producing facial protective devices or facial masks and you just disappeared for uh, for a few weeks now and you managed to produce lots of them and like, like what happened to you man where have you been and this is what i want to talk to you today on the podcast because i haven't seen you in a while uh, that's correct as of today we have produced close to 30,000 face shields and wow we have distributed almost all of them there's like a thousand or two maybe three thousand um at our place and the rest of them have been distributed free of charge to hospitals all around poland hundreds of them uh, when i say we i mean the warsaw hackerspace uh, we've discussed my uh, adventures there before yes your affinity to building stuff with fellow geeks in a, in a, in a very uh, strange place <laughs> in Warsaw, yeah. <laughs> you know, Michael, I feel like I've been preparing for this for years, uh, starting in 2018, getting back to my um, my interest in building physical things and getting 3D printer, mm-hmm. and then uh, moving forward uh, last um, October by becoming a member of the Warsaw Hackerspace, starting to build things, design things, learning to to do CAD, laser cutting, etc., uh, recently, we've been discussing lean manufacturing, which was literally just in time for you to do this. Like, <laughs> like, 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 literally, you've read this book, and we have we had these discussions just in time for you to prepare for this. What just happened? Uh, I really like the double joke because lean manufacturing is also known as just in time manufacturing, and I've learned it just in time for this pandemic. And uh, so there's that, and there's me working for Nosby and having you as the boss. And when I told you about this project, you're like, yeah, I mean, go for it. So I, I got your blessing to to dedicate as much as I can myself to it, um, even though it meant I, I would pretty much disappear from Nosby for a couple of weeks. And that's what I've been doing. Man, quite a right. I'm quite exhausted and we're not done yet. But over the last three weeks, we went from nothing through an idea, through prototypes, to a mass production of face shields. Yeah, man. I mean, like I was following this, uh, you know, from the inception and uh, this crazy idea, and like the numbers were staggering. Like how 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 you could improve like this kind of homemade factory, basically, yeah. from producing just a few, a bunch of face shields to really thousands. Like it was mind boggling for me, and um, uh, and that, that's why, like, like you know, I, I gave you the blessing that you know, like. Uh, uh, so that, that's the funny part. That's, that, that this is the joke I'm, I'm right now telling to friends. Like, so what does Nosby do? Ah, uh, yeah, we have this productivity software and we produce a face shields because I'm paying my <laughs> VP of engineering to be manufacturing face shields. Yeah, it, 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 it it's it's perfect. It make, makes ah, and then we give them for free. So then it's perfect, perfect, really like business model. I am officially crazy. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's literally true. So <laughs> let me let me walk you through the timeline of of the situation. Yeah, tell me. Uh, about a month ago, uh, one of the members of the Warsaw Hackerspace started asking us around privately on our chats if we have any, um, you know, N95 um, or equivalent masks available. You know, like like good dust masks or like smog masks to to give away to hospitals because they were starting to run out of the most important item, the mask, and like they were they were not waiting for for the hospital to buy them they were not waiting for the government to give them they didn't uh, give two craps about um, attestations and certificates like if someone had a used um like you know dust mask uh, they wanted it like they would any kind of facial protection right <laughs> yeah like they would put it in the <laughs> oven or something and like it wouldn't be perfect and it wouldn't be sterile but it would be better than nothing it would be still far less risky than nothing Right and like I didn't have any like it, it it was just there. Then on Twitter I saw Josef Prusa posting uh, articles about face shields. So Prusa is of the the Prusa company in Czech Republic. They make three D printers, and they and they designed this um, this face shield, right? Um, that would be like two three D printed pieces. The one that you hold against your uh, forehead and uh, a bottom part that would just mm, shape a, a plastic film like a PET or PETG film for the right shape so that would be the third part the the transparent window and then there would be like a a band that would hold this on your face so uh, why face shields for Prusa well because they have the largest 3D printer farm in the world and they thought this is something they can produce. Face shields are not the most important personal protective equipment uh, for hospital workers, but it, it's like the mask, uh, the face mask is the most important, but it, it, the shield is an additional thing and it, it, it's better than nothing and it's, it's an like additional level of, of protection. So I thought that was interesting, and like two, two days later, I started thinking, well, we do have five printers at the Warsaw Hackerspace, although all of them are broken, <laughs> but we could probably get them to work, right? Started doing the math, and I, I figured, well, we could, if we pushed all of them, we could probably make like 40, 40 holders for the face shield per day, and, um, but yeah, like, it, it just didn't seem that interesting um, the thing to do, like 40, 40 holders per day is nothing and you still need yeah, some really... way mm -hmm. to to cut the window part of the face shield and like I, I, I just didn't see myself or anyone else uh, overnight fixing five broken 3D printers so um, it kind of slid by three days later one of the members posted on our mailing list a link to a face shield model designed by two guys from Gdynia in Poland. Mm -hmm. And it was two pieces, both cut from PET film. So just transparent sheet, right? So the thing is, you have the window, but you can't just put a ru rubber band and hold it against your face. Because if you have goggles or glasses or a mask, uh, like it yeah. would just stick to your face. Like You need something else <laughs> that would uh, rest against your forehead to push the main window away from your face. And they figured out a way to do it with just 
uh, sheet plastic, right? And well, those, of course, which, which, like what we discussed here on the show, that you know, three D printing takes lots of time. So yeah, uh, this would be just faster, right? Yeah. So so the Prusa model took like two or three hours to print, right? Yeah. And like this is great. Like if if there's no solid plastic, just sheet plastic, then we can get a roll of PET and we can laser cut it. Okay. And laser cutting is at least an order of magnitude faster than 3D printing. Mm-hmm. Now that was interesting. So immediately a few people became interested in pursuing this project and we started prototyping. So uh, we, we got some material. This was kind of hard to do. Um, that was about three weeks ago. And yeah. we laser cut um, the prototype based on their model and it didn't work. The, the way the two pieces were fit together, it, uh-huh. it, it didn't work very well. So we went through 24 iterations, uh, me and, cool. a, and another guy. I was offering it um, on my computer and, and he was the guy with like more uh, mechanical engineering intuitions to like uh, push me in the right direction and how to design okay. like you know, the two thin film pieces that would slide together such that they wouldn't undo themselves and like mm-hmm. be fairly easy to to put together, but would be secure on your face. And we did it in like a day or two, figured it out and it worked. Like the face shield worked and there would be a rubber band holding it against your face and another one at the bottom shaping the shield. And it was pretty good. Um, it was dirty from laser cutting. You had to like clean it first. Sure, it kind of smelled of um, laser cut plastic, but it worked. And I would beta test it by wearing it for multiple hours at a time. It was pretty comfortable. In fact, it was much more comfortable than the Prusa model since it was thin film resting against your forehead and not a thin strip of hard plastic. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I can imagine that, you know, something more flexible is just better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... At the time where we see Twitter being filled with uh, 3D printing enthusiasts getting into the face shield manufacturing game and being able to produce four, six, maybe 10 per day, uh, we could produce a face shield by laser cutting it uh, every three minutes. Uh huh. We thought it would be every one minute, but it was a bit slower than we expected. But still, three minutes versus three hours, that's... Yeah, you know, that's like... Substantial 50, difference. <laughs> yeah, like 50 times or something. Big difference. So that was encouraging, but like we saw that every hospital we talked to, uh, unless there were, there were a very, like very tiny medical establishment, but any like hospital in a city for just their department, not the whole hospital, wanted at least 100, okay? Hospitals uh-huh. wanted hundreds of face shields because it makes sense, like... They have hundreds, if not thousands of employees. Every employee needs a face shield, whether they're a doctor, a nurse, or just a receptionist who can still have like come into contact with sick people. They only last like a week because when you disinfect them, the alcohol slowly attacks the plastic or you rub it against and like it just becomes like uh, not transparent. Oh, okay. Right, and there's hundreds, if not thousands, of hospitals like that in Poland. Uh, Facials were pretty much non-available to hospitals. Uh, hospitals didn't or couldn't buy them. Um, doctors who wanted to buy them were faced with face shields that would cost 
exorbitant prices because the demand suddenly spiked so much that the normal laws of of uh, free market the normal laws of capitalism oh, yes. and the supply magically matching demand at the price that makes sense didn't work because when suddenly overnight well it's not like we had months to prepare right um mm, you know, really. overnight <laughs> spikes uh you know you you can't just set up a new factory and and like you know make the output of it 10 times larger because yes. the the demand was like 10 or 100 times larger than normal. So we thought, okay, so there's demand for tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands in Poland. So laser cutting is not enough. Okay. Well, funny thing, our landlord is a printing cooperative. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, it's called Spudzielnia Pracy in, in Polish. And it's funny because like, Huh, I, I've heard something like that. Isn't that like a communist thing? So this is this is a weird type of entity. Like this this building, this whole building uh, was was this during communist times, you know, decades ago. And it was all like printing presses and like cutting cardboard boxes. And all of it fell down, but and what what remained is this group of 80-year-olds and 70-year-olds who okay. are, don't have a company. They have a cooperative, right? So they share in right. profits and losses and they make cardboard boxes. Okay. And they're, they're the owner of, of the building, but they just take up the, the basement and we take up the, the, the ground floor, uh, renting from them. And they're away. They're quarantining themselves because they're like a bunch of 70-year-olds. Yeah, they're old. Yeah, they, yeah. they have to. Mm-hmm. But we're on, on good terms with them, really good terms. Um, and so we called them up and asked, hey, could could we could we like use your equipment to make face shields? And they were like, of course, no problem, uh, which is great because they have a die cutter. Uh-huh. So let me explain. A die cutter is a machine where you have a table you put a blank there, usually there'll be like a piece of cardboard. And then there's the vertical part where you have a die. And a die would be, um, it's just a bunch of knives. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's made like by- a template of knives, right? Yeah, it, it, it's a template of what you want to cut. Mm-hmm. Made from knives, right? Yes. <laughs> and as the machine runs, it, it presses the table with your blank against the die. And voila, a cut cardboard comes out and it goes really fast. So the cycle time is, I think, four seconds. So a skilled operator, like every four seconds, takes away the, the cut box, uh, you know, still have to fold it, but like the, the, the cut uh, outline of, of the box, puts in a new blank and it goes all on and on and on and on. Right, and so like it's no problem to instead of cardboard cut uh, sheet plastic. It's a little bit more difficult, but sure, we could do that. So also, just so happens that in our building resides a professional die maker, who makes the dies for them. Okay, and we also know him, so we're like, hey, could you could you make us a die? Uh, <laughs> so um, you know, I I I prepared the design for him. He printed it out. Uh, worked the whole day to create the die. It was quite complex, and he did it. And so uh, we cut our first part, and it didn't fit. Uh huh. 
because um, I messed up something during the design phase. I forgot that die cutting is different from laser cutting because when you of laser cut it things, it takes away material, right? So the cuts yes. are not points, like they have width. Uh -huh. So we have two parts that are the same width and they, they're meant to fit each other. They'll fit each other because there's clearance. Mm -hmm. But if you have the exact same width of two parts and you cut them with knives, then they won't fit because there's no clearance. Ah. So I messed that up. So most of the die worked for the, the big part. For the small part, it didn't. So for a number of days, we laser cut those. There's, they were smaller, so we could almost keep up. Yeah. And he fixed up that part. So, so, but so, so already you were manufacturing more because, as you said, it's just a few seconds to, oh, yeah. to cut this thing. Then instead of like a few minutes with uh, with a laser cutter. Yeah. So uh, we went from about three minutes uh, to something like thirty seconds per part. Wow. So again, six times faster. Couple of days later, the die was fixed up. Both parts were on the die, and now we could cut apart every 18 seconds Man. <laughs> the shield and the strap mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it took us a week but it's not over no it's not but over, it's not over. That, that took us exactly. a week right okay. in seven days we went from nothing through prototypes through laser cutting phase through botched die cutting job to working die cutting man so fast so cool wow yeah. okay yeah and, and like every day every die cutter operator would get faster because like you know, it's 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 just like it's a physical skill, like how to do it as quickly as possible, like the right sequence of moves, like very, you know, there's a lot of kaizen to to do there. Yeah. And in fact, we doubled our uh, rate like every three or four days throughout this whole process. Wow. Uh, unfortunately, what we were dealing with for the next week or so was problems, problems, problems. So we went from nothing to. Our best day was something like a thousand face shields per day. And it was like a really good day where like throughout the whole day, someone was working the die cutter. The problem is that this design was really complicated and the die was really expensive and really complicated and really fragile. And we would break something on the die every day or two. And there oh, would be man. a lot of holes that were necessary for the face shield to work that would just get stuck. So like someone uh -huh. would have to like, you know, um, do post-processing. So that's one of the so what we So yeah. what we discussed on the podcast. Yeah. So you, like, you had to do post-processing because it was wrong, but you couldn't yeah. stop the cord, pull the cord to stop the manufacturing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we would come up with these jigs to like, you know, drill through those holes as quickly as possible. But like, it was yeah. a lot of work. Like the post for every one person on the die cutter, it would take like two or three people post processing. It's terrible. I mean, man. But yeah, but yeah, but but the brilliance of it, and then and, and the way you're describing it to me is like this: this the, how it's you know how it reflects what we discussed, uh, you know, with the automotive industry and manufacturing yeah. and all that stuff. So perfect. Wow. <laughs> and then um, one day, as we were ramping up to you know, about a thousand face shields per day, uh, we got this email. So earlier on, we set up this email that would be a mailing list that would get the emails to like 10 people that are part of the project. And it was this company who are an injection molding company. 
Mm-hmm. So injection molding is how pretty much all plastic things are made. It's a fast process yeah. for making solid plastic items. And they were like, hey, so we would like to start a pro bono production of face shields. And we designed this um, holder, like the part that would rest against your forehead. Mm-hmm. And we need someone to cut the windows for the face shields. And uh, yeah, what do you think? So you joined forces. Well, we were skeptical at first. Um, we have quite, you know, many people at the hackerspace have experience with um, companies that do physical items. We call them Janusze because there's always some problem with them. That they're always they're usually not trustworthy. So we are skeptical. Okay. Like they say pro bono, but do they mean pro bono? <laughs> do they really? Pro bono with asterisk, asterisk, asterisk thingy or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so the president of the Warsaw Hackerspace Association called up the guy. And in fact, this was the contact to the CEO of the company because it was his project, like it was his idea and decided that uh, this guy is for real and he trusts him. Now, the president of Warsaw Hackerspace is a person with the most attuned bullshit detector I have ever seen in any person. If cool. you think I'm, I'm good with detecting bullshit, you haven't met him. So Okay, if, I want to meet him now. Yeah. <laughs> if, so, like, if, if this was good enough for him, it was good enough for me. Uh, and, like, the, the deal was perfect. They would send the, the manufactured parts to us, we would manufacture the the windows, package them up, distribute it through our channels. By the way, through this process, I, I forgot that, you know, a few armchairs or hackers sitting at home, not being present physically to manufacture, um, made a form for hospitals to fill up with mm-hmm. like what they need and uh, whipped up a uh, cheapo CRM to like manage this. Because yeah. it was easy when we produced dozens per day, but when we got to thousands per day and a lot of hospitals starting to write to us, like this would be unmanageable as just some table in, like we needed a dedicated system to it. And they whipped it up in like two days or something. Of course they of did. Of course they did. So, um, you know, what would be the worst that would, that would happen? Like if if they misrepresented us or they didn't want us to send parts or they caused trouble to us, we would just go back to our previous like totally custom design but the benefits were obvious so actually this face shield is less comfortable because it is a hard plastic part but Mm -hmm. it was obvious to us that we could produce much more of 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 these because the window was really simple just an outline and four circles the die would be simpler much more reliable and probably we wouldn't need any post-processing so like you know why not uh, worst case scenario, we would have lost like a hundred or two hundred dollars making the the dies. So we got the die made, and then the second die, and uh, you know they got us a, a bag of samples as they were, uh, you know, gathering the the first samples. By the way, this company normally for an injection molding company, it takes like a month or more than a month to produce an injection mold. Okay. They did it in three days. Whoa. Yeah. So like they were really serious. Like they were for real. We designed in, in an hour or two the, the window to, to fit, fit the die, starting cutting them. Immediately, we jumped from 200 per hour for our best operators to like 400 per hour. 
just because the shield, the the window, it wouldn't stick to the die. Before we would have to like rip it out of the die. It would come back to the table. So you just could do it faster, right? Uh huh. And then we fit the second die. So we would do two side by side. And instead of cutting one at a time, we would cut two at a time. Why not? Yeah, it's true. I thought it would speed things up by like 50% because it would probably be more mess with like, you know, quickly moving your hands to like, uh, you know, push them from one place to another. Well, in fact, we more than doubled our productivity because along the way we made a few more adjustments to our whole jig uh, and we got to 800 per hour. Uh, that was peak Whoa. performance. Real world performance was a little bit slower. Well, right now, our best operators, like myself, uh, do <sighs> something like twelve or 1,300 peak and like seven or 800 like real world performance. Wow. Which means that if someone is at the die cutter for six hours in a day and there is someone, uh, you know, like two people to support this, so cut the blanks, count them, package them, ship them, then in a six-hour shift, we can die cut 5,000 every day. Man. And in but, fact... But, but do you have enough, like, molds from the other company? Like, the... the do they have do they provide like as many for for the foreheads well hold on so when we started this um uh this arrangement we could produce one sh one shield every 10 seconds or so that was our cycle time yeah. their cycle time was about 15 seconds for two parts because they they huh. made the injection mold for two parts at a time but they're a company they do it pro bono, but the CEO pays the, his employees. Yes. So over two shifts, they could produce like 5,000 per day. Ah. Well, meanwhile, we more than doubled our productivity. And they also improved their productivity by just injecting faster as they improved the process over the span of a week or two. Now they can, now we can produce. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, again, again. What we discussed, lean. This is so beautiful. Like this fact that once you like action begets action, action creates action. This thing that once you start doing something, the process can be always improved. So like so, you start with the, with like with one benchmark, and then you just tweak here, tweak there. Like do this faster, do this slower, do this differently, and then it's a little bit faster, a little bit better, a little bit better. Like again, like something we discussed here is just beautifully shown. Like, keep going but I, I just wanted to like, like point this out <laughs> I love it it is <laughs> like this this agreement this uh, partnership started a uh, week or and a half I, I forget something between one and two weeks ago and they said they can produce up to five part five thousand parts per day and we're like whoa that's a lot because at the time we would make like 800 per day or a thousand per day well every three or four days uh, it would have doubled just like the virus and um yeah <laughs> and so uh we would have get you know we got to three thousand per day and um i think two days two days ago was our best day and we made like six thousand in a day we're like man we we caught up with them but they were not stopping either and they've improved they made their injection faster and now they can make fifteen thousand per day 15,000. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, like right now, today is very slow because when we got the die, 
our daymaker told them that it, it lasts for, you know, tens of thousands of cycles, like probably like 10,000 um, because the material is quite hard on the die. So like 10,000 punches. And, and when he told us that and we we're just getting started, like, we're like, who cares? Like, th that's an insane exactly. number. Well, but now we can do 10,000 like every two or three days. And we yeah, forgot then. about it. And we did way more than that. And our dice started dying. <laughs> yeah. So, Literally, dice started dying. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, tomorrow we'll make new dice because like one is dead and the second is half dead and needs some post-processing. So it's slow. Tomorrow, new die and, you know, get back to action. So anyway, um, yeah, a fascinating thing is that every day or two, the biggest problem would change. First, yeah. it was getting the material. Then it was getting the, the design to work. Then it was getting the die cutting to work. Then it was fixing the die cutter. Then it was the number of volunteers that would come and do the work. Then it was post-processing. Then it was, uh, again, the pace of die cutting as we sped up and didn't need any post-processing. Then suddenly we started producing so much that distribution became a problem. And, we needed and rubbish. Well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> so we, we, we okay. got to the point where we need two volunteers to do distribution, you know, packing, you know, calling up the the people on the list to make sure they still need it to like try to sense through a short phone call if they're not if they're for real and not a scam because like you know if we did this commercially and not pro bono then the value of this merchandise if it was merchandise is yeah. like half a million zlotych per week whoa so like we don't want this to end up in some Janusz's hands selling this on 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 ebay right exactly like mm -hmm. we don't want that we want this to to get to the the right people this is also why we don't give this to presidents of hospitals and to like any official channels because we're hearing that they don't get to the right places like we only do it bottom up through employees of hospitals uh often we have to they ask us to deliver this to their home address because if they were, it was addressed to them on the hospital address it would it would have never gotten to them which is like awful but why uh, this is strange like this, really is it, whoa this is crazy i would have thought yeah. it would be otherwise like that that the, the official hospital address and the president of hospital would be actually the place to go to wow. well crazy. Uh, some are like that some hospitals are good some directors are good but uh, many are not and they're just like i don't know either evil or incompetent or like I, I just, I don't understand, but this this message has gotten to us, you know, many signals. Wow. Don't do it. Okay. Like, give it to lowly um, employees of hospitals and they'll do the correct thing. Wow. Yeah. So, so that became a problem. And then the next the day later, we realized uh, we make so much of this so fast that we don't have a place to store the trash. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, because like you cut up a blank and two sh two windows come out for the face shield, and there's the border around it. The cutting of the blanks is not perfect, so they're always a little bit too long, uh, so that mm -hmm. the the face shield is not you know um, 
we don't have defects. So, you know, there's a lot of trash. And, like, it's valuable trash. Like, it's pure plastic. It's, like, it's ready to be shredded and remelted and, and make more rolls out of it. So, like, it, it, like we're not going to just, like, throw it out, right? That needs proper recycling. And, exactly. in fact, like, given... Well, kind of uh, <laughs> given to the company like specializing in this particular type of plastic, right? To just be made into um, fresh material again. So, but the problem is that it's foil, so it curls up. So it's like 99% air and takes up way too much space. Of course. The, the cubic meters are just, just enormous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, we, f- we found a, a, a big room uh, of the, you know, the, the printing cooperative um, uh, basement. And we just started making a, a literal pile because we ran out of boxes. Yeah. Well, but this room started filling up too. <laughs> So, so the company with which we partnered, they lent us their um, plastic grinder, mm-hmm. and we started grinding it into granulate. Uh, well, we did that for a couple of days. In the end, we decided like the the grinding was too slow. Uh. It was not much faster than die cutting, and like we don't have that many volunteers, so the okay. pile still kept growing. So, in the end, we found someone to just take it from us for free, like. We hope to like sell it to the company making it. Yeah. But like, we don't have people to deal with it, and we don't have space to store it for for to deal with it later. So we just found someone that's gonna take it and deal with it on on their own. Um, okay. So that was our kaizen, like just stop dealing with it. But for a couple of days, that was the bi- biggest bottleneck. You know, shredding plastic. Wow. Uh yeah. So we are at this point where. Um, Things are slowly stabilizing, kind of. So um, we did this for three weeks or so, and in fact, this this has been, this is becoming. This has not yet become, but it it is becoming enough time for the industry, for the forces of supply and demand, and to capitalism up. to catch up with the situation. Um, and you can see this by the prices and availability of face shields on online, right? Um, they went down from exorbitant prices to, uh, you know, fairly normal prices. And uh, many hospitals are supplied. Now, it's not perfect because, again, they the windows, unfortunately, they get foggy and they will need to be replaced. But many, like, serious companies are, are getting into this game. In fact, the company with which we cooperate... Um, are now making way more plastic parts than we make of the rest of the shield. And so they, I guess they paid just some, some big company to, uh, to, you know, produce, I think it was 40 or 60,000 windows. Mm -hmm. And they shipped, I think something like 40, 60, or maybe it was 80,000 face shields to hospitals through official channels, not unofficial channels like we do. So the two approaches are kind of, um, complimenting yeah uh but uh, it suggests to us that our our pace of a couple of thousand per day with improve with per, you know productivity improvements meaning that we need fewer and fewer people actually doing this um this this may be enough okay. like we've almost caught up with our backlog there mm-hmm. was a long weekend now so it has grew but uh we think we'll be able to 
be on top of our backlog of orders with a couple of thousand of shields per day, which is still an insane amount for yeah, that's, the, that's true. A, a bunch of nerds who like, you know, starting a manufacturing operation in yeah. a basement. <laughs> so, but yeah, so I have questions. Uh, yeah. So fir- fir- first question, uh, because I, re- I re- like I remember when you started the process. So uh, so the first, as we discussed, first thing you asked me if you could do it, uh, still be on our payroll, but <laughs> between face shields instead of uh, air working uh, in VP of engineering. So it was fine. And also, uh, Nosby was the first one to donate uh, um, uh, money to to buy the the first batch of plastic. But then later yes. you got money from other sources because you never like i remember our discussion you said that you would tell me if you needed more money but you didn't tell me anymore yeah. so so if you could explain this part of equation because you said that there were just more donations coming which is great but i want to hear about it okay so um let's put it this way when we started the price the the market price of a crappy face shield I'm not talking about professional face shields. Mm-hmm. There are good face shields that people like anesthesiologists would use that need like perfection and like complete security that this won't slide because they have to do something very precise very quickly. Yeah. Um, like those are expensive and completely unavailable, but like like cheap, simple, imperfect face shields, they would cost something like 70 złotych, which would be something on the order of $20. Uh, but in Poland, the value of those twenty dollars is much much larger. Of course. Uh, right now, the market price is something like six or seven dollars. Uh huh. Good. The price of the material for us to produce one face shield is about thirty forty cents. Mm-hmm. Which means that with the free work of volunteers, yeah. with it not being a commercial operations. We can do a lot with little money. Okay. Because for something like one zlot in a bit, like 30, 35 cents, we can produce one face shield. So if really not a lot of money, we can make a bunch. Mm-hmm. So um, for the first week or so, we didn't say anything online about this project except for my unofficial tweet asking for, um, mat- like for material because we were finding difficult to find material this is also a great uh, aside i'll get back to it um, mm-hmm. uh, which by the way was my most viral post on social media ever it went yeah. like a thousand retweets it was even retweeted by a senator and an um ex posso of poland and a similar number on facebook crazy um and we found it, and uh, we did it for a few days, and only a- after about a week, when we knew this is gonna work, when this was validated by people in the field, because like that was also another thing we didn't want to do, just like do something because we f- makes our us feel good, like we wanted to have confirmation from people in the field on the field that this is gonna work for them. Yeah, actually, the- yeah, to to know that these masks are any good, that they're really like useful. Yeah. And when we got it, uh, we started posting online. And the money kept pouring in. Uh, So we were thinking initially if we want to immediately buy a ton of plastic, like a literal metric ton of plastic, which would be like $1,500, right? Quite a big chunk of change. And we're thinking like, yeah, like we can probably probably find that amount of money, right? Mm -hmm. Well... 
we a um, couple of weeks went by us doing a pretty great job and then showing off online the results and we got something I, I I don't have the exact number in front of me but something on the order of like 10 or fifteen thousand dollars perfect okay mm-hmm. yeah and we but just spent, like, by individual donations just people just donating to the project uh, yeah. Uh, perhaps there were some companies like someone's employer or something don- mm-hmm. donating a larger chunk but like it was individual donations it wasn't like a big grant or something okay um, so far we've spent something on the order of six seven thousand dollars oh, okay so um, you have still plenty of sp- to spare mm-hmm. yeah so we're we're not currently raising more money because like we think we might have enough to to go by if if we're like getting to like a few days worth of um, money and we're like at the pace of five thousand facials per day. We are burning through a ton of mat- a literal metric ton of material every two days. Remember that, okay? Yeah. So, cool. so that's like, you know, clo- that's getting close to a thousand dollars per day of burn rate. Wow. Um. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so money wasn't a, a problem. Uh, back to material. This is actually really interesting. Um. This is another example of normal, normal uh, law of the market not working correctly, at least mm-hmm. for a, a number of weeks. Uh, there has been a sudden huge spike in demand for PET foil. Of course, as everybody started making face shields, and also like many companies started like doing ads on it or like making these shields for like. Um, uh, you know, like little shops, like little establishments, yeah. mm-hmm. like a, of course. A, a sneeze barrier. And they would use like PET sometimes for that. And so we are finding it difficult to find PET foil. Like one of our guys would go to a, a warehouse that sells this stuff in Warsaw and it would be out of stock one day. And the other day he would be able to buy one roll and it was the last one. Okay. Crazy, right? And so... That's why my post, and mm-hmm. I got like twenty leads, and like uh, yeah, I learned what what is it like to order a ton of plastic directly from a factory, not like a a middleman supplier, yeah, but like like two pallets of it, right? <laughs> okay, like a dedicated truck coming to get you plastic. Wow, like I've never ordered stuff from like serious factories, right? Uh, <laughs> so now I know how how this is done. There was, this was still problematic, and, and every week it's getting more difficult to buy a ton of plastic. And at, at the beginning, we were like, 10,000 face shields, like, this is enough to cover the whole of Poland and half of Czech Republic. Like, we're not probably not going to do that much, so we want to buy that much. And now we're like, yeah, a ton, like, we need it, like, every two or three days. Wow. <laughs> uh, and it's getting hard. It's not just getting expensive, it's getting hard to find any. So... We don't go to any any uh, middlemen. We only go to factories. But this is tricky because they they usually have like like a month of lead time because they have their production schedule. Exactly. That's that's the problem with the factories. They have a schedule, and then you know, and especially now with the coronavirus and everything, and staying at home and all that stuff. Like I'm sure that also their workforce is not it's not all there and all hundred percent productive. Uh, yeah, and uh, those are not lean operations, right? Like, yeah. like you're supposed to order stuff like two months in advance, and make mm-hmm. one big batch order. Uh, they're they're not 
used to just a bunch of geeks like calling them up, like a bunch of unprofessionals asking them if they can get them a ton of, uh, you know, plastic this week. <laughs> yeah. Give me a ton of plastic and yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And so we end up calling up like every freaking company in Poland that might have something to do with PET plastic, as in not producing it, but using it. So for example, we bought 800 kilograms of PET foil from a company that produces um, uh, the little tops of um, ice cream cones Uh because they happened to make it out of PET foil and maybe it was just out of, um, you know, and they had a bunch in stock and maybe it was just them doing this out of the goodness of their hearts and wanting to help us out. That's likely. It's also likely that their sales fell because like people are not going to buy ice cream as often because they sit at home. And so whatever the reason, they sold us 800 kilograms of plastic because they happened to have it in stock. And yeah, and we're calling, you know, companies who might use it and might have in stock, even though they're not sellers of this material. It's getting really hard. So You know, this is another example where there's a huge spike in demand. And unlike face shields where a bunch of geeks can set up production, you know, almost overnight, you're not going to scale up a production line for PET foil. So we are hitting the the constraints of the national PET foil supply. Wow. There's more demand than there is supply. And not even by price, it's not matched. It's just very difficult to find yeah um these are, these are like these moments where like when normally people tell you like with money you can do anything like we can get anything but sometimes it literally you can't because there's just not there like you know even if you have all the money in the world like this is this this isn't there so like you know <laughs> yeah at least not not on time uh, exactly yeah, you probably saw the, the the tweets from Bill Gates, who's like investing many billions in like setting up six different factories for six different coronavirus vaccines that are in development. And it's almost sure that half, if not more of them will fail and it will quote unquote lose billions. But like you can't set up a factory overnight. So you just have to start building it today, even if it might not work at all. Right, crazy man. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah, we're we're looking in crazy places to find material. We're looking into different materials. Not talking loudly about this because um, we have a large following, and maybe everybody switches to this other kind of uh, plastic foil, and this will run out too. So, like, we want to <laughs> get ahead of the the competition who's like doing this for money and and like whatever or hoarding it just to. Uh, make money off of it. Um, yeah, that's another thing. That's another issue that that some companies or some people might hoard things. I might, might hoard material because they, they just want to have it for some reason. So that's another thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So actually, about that, um, like one thing is is when 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 people are timing the market and hoarding something to sell it for huge profit because they they see see a situation before others do and you know start buying up the supply of face masks in january right but we suspect that uh there's a lot of unintentional hoarding of pet foil right now by well-intentioned people so uh i mean just just look how how huge the whole movement of 3d printing people 
is to make face shields. Yeah. And it's great, right? Like on the collective, like they can make a lot. Or if you're Prusa and have thousands of uh, of uh, 3D printers, then you can also make tens of thousands, like a, a huge uh, number of face shields. But normally when you buy a roll of PET fall, it's like 70 kilograms. Like usually you don't buy smaller rolls. And so we know personally of multiple instances of 3D printing enthusiasts buying a whole roll of PT. Okay. Under normal times, this would be fine, right? And like they want to help. But if you have one 3D printer and you can make at best maybe like 10 or 12 holders per day, it will take you months to use up this roll of PT foil. That's true. Yeah, so... I don't know how widespread this is. I hope um, people who are buying this much at once either have a small farm and they can use up use up this roll in a week or two, or they share it with others. But it would be very unfortunate if there are hundreds of 3D printing enthusiasts who decided to invest $150 to buy one big roll of PT, but they're just not able to use it in a reasonable time. And then it's not available to larger pro bono operations like ours, where we, um, when we're working, we use up a roll, uh, what is it, uh, something like uh, every hour or so. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's, you know, the, the similar situation was in the beginning of the of the situation where we had to stay at home, like that people started hoarding like toilet paper and stuff and then yeah. like many things. And uh, I remember I went to the shop like a week later and it, everything was just empty. I couldn't get anything. After three weeks of, of confinement, like when I went to the shop, uh, everything was there. I could get anything yeah. I wanted. It was just a question of time, of waiting for the you know oh, yeah. for the hoarders to just wipe out the whole thing and then just supply you know supply chain to just get back to normal, and then suddenly like you got everything, like everything is back to like you know to the normal standards. Yeah. So, you know, on Thursday or Friday, today is Monday. Uh, we had a, a, another shipment. So, so far we've used up like three tons. Uh-huh. plastic and uh yeah and now we're running out <laughs> so so tell me so um so you said that the market is catching up the price of the face shield is no longer like exorbitant and then the, it starts to make sense so uh how how do you think what do you calculate about your you know manufacturing process and uh, facility how long do you want to keep this up uh do you know or do you make uh, presume how much how, how how long are you how much longer are you gonna do this or uh, like have you talked to your friends like what what what's the timeline or what's the plan for for like what, what, where, where do you go from there um our position is this well, we will do this until the end either the end mm-hmm. of material or the end of money or the end of demand mm-hmm. the question is simply of scale yes so um, I I think I I will slowly myself go back to normal, and I I, I think this this week I'll finally be able to do some like Nosby work, um, and we're just gonna see if we can get material and if there's demand. Mm-hmm. So far, there's a couple of thousands per day of demand, and our pace of production is matching the demand. 
that we're getting and two things may happen. Either the demand is going to gradually die down over the span of this week and next week as people mm-hmm. who need to be supplied are supplied or a second thing happens as the vast majority... So we've been doing this for three weeks, right? Yeah. We've done almost 30,000. Yeah. The vast majority of it we've done last week. Yes. You know, this is the same exponential growth curve exactly. as with the virus, right? So it is very possible that we'll see a big spike in demand because people who just got it a, a week ago will be really happy with it and need more. Yeah. Now, thankfully, the pace of production is still uh, speeding up. Mm-hmm. We're going to get a, a new die made tomorrow. Uh, we figured out a way to deal with trash by just not dealing with it and someone yes. coming to pick it up. Post-processing is not necessary. The distribution packing system has been much improved. Yeah, and uh, the logistics. You, you said that you had problems with the logistics. So how did you solve that? Yeah, so we asked online if um, like couriers and other logistics company can help us out. Um, we got some answers. Like They're not fully satisfactory. Like We, we haven't gotten like a a full-on sponsorship or partnership, but we got, you know, 20 free packages there, 100 free packages there. Um, oh, okay. So there's that. And even if none of that pans out, um, uh, couriers have capacity mm-hmm. and we have money. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. we would have preferred not to spend money on transportation if someone can give it us give it to us for free. But if we need to, like, we've gotten enough donations to be able to to just pay the market price for it. Um, okay. Yeah, but but it it's also like the the logistics were a problem, kind of in terms of um, just the mechanics of it, like how like we produce so much that just packaging up yeah. this many takes course, time. Of course, of course, of course. Right. So so every part of the process has been kaizen, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, counting, right? Like, we we make packets of 25. So, mm-hmm. we pretty much don't do orders smaller than 25. If someone orders 10, we usually just give them 25 yes. face shields. And and then uh, multiples of 25. Uh, this simplifies multiple things. So, this is one Kaizen. Second Kaizen is we used to count them up. But then someone realized, like, wait, why do we count 25 if we can use scales? So we just wait how exactly 25 face shields um, should wait about 1.64 kilograms and then it's just much faster, right? It's true. Like, and who, like, doesn't matter if they get 24 or 26, like, who cares? Like, just one more, you know. Yeah, but that's actually not the problem. Like, uh, the weight of one is about 70 grams. So even if some are, some are slightly defective and have, like, one side um, okay. cut short... Like, you will still see if it's 25 or below or above. Very smart, but it's still very, very smart. Like, instead of counting, just wait it. And it's, yeah, perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like, uh, someone who came up with this, to them it was obvious, right? I didn't see it, others didn't see it. We counted 25 like stupid. And (laughs) then, like, someone realized that you can just make a whole stack of it and just, boop, go to zero, right? Like, first we would go to 1.64 and then... Uh, someone, you know, smart realized the obvious stupid thing that you can just zero it out at 1.64 and then you just go to zero. So like it's just one one stare at the screen less, right? 
and then um, we realized that um, when you when you cut when you you know get into your hand a roll of um, paper tape mm-hmm. and cut to strips to to make a packet of twenty five, it takes time, right? Not a lot, yeah. but we got so fast with the rest of the packing process that someone uh, came up with this um, this apparatus, which is actually a vice holding a pair of scissors where you can just yeah. take a, a roll of um, tape and just like like punch the, the scissors such that you, you cut cut it really quick quickly, like quicker than with your fingers, uh-huh. make like 20 strips of tape and then package it up and package it up until you run out of strips and then make some more strips and it's just faster than like getting the roll uh you know getting a couple of inches of tape and taping it you know just at a scale of 5000 per day with just a few volunteers being present in person at a time like literally every second counts yeah yeah but 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 i like I like this i like this fact how you really like you know how you really kaizen as you said kaizen the shit out of it i can really it's amazing um uh, this this kind of idea that like everything has can be improved like this is so obvious now to you i think you know um yeah. especially you know after you know reading all these books you know as you said you know priming yourself to this and then suddenly they're just just going and living through this and and then improving i mean i'm i actually i'm jealous i, I would <laughs> i would have loved to be to be part of this <laughs> and then uh you know uh one of those guys dealing with um distribution uh he's one of the members of of the hackerspace and in fact he is an owner of a of an online store so he just brought one of his um sticker printers Mm-hmm. To to the hackerspace, and when fulfilling an order, he would just print a sticker with the details of this order to make it quicker to yeah. just just put it on the box. Mm-hmm. And then he asked one of the armchair hackers to to add a generator to our CRM so that it's one click and it generates the right template to just hit print on. Right, and little little improvements like this would speed things up by a lot. And then, like, um, you know, there's stuff like we get boxes of um, of 175 from uh, the, the the supplier, like the, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. and it's packaged by like seven bags per 25. Mm-hmm. So we take up take out one bag to make space, throw in six packets of 25 windows. Yeah close the um, uh, the box we got one of the you know the um, packing tape dispensers stick the sticker and a box of 150 is done right yeah previously we would have packed like counted it up make a box put it in the box no we we cut open the box take out one uh, bag put six packets of 25 windows repackage put in a sticker done 150. Fine, That's and then really for good. the for the small orders, this this packet of of twenty five, throw in another another uh, packet of windows, put it in a plastic bag. We got one of those uh, heat sealers of plastic bags. Seal the bag, throw in a sticker, boom, a packet of a, a pack of twenty five uh, sets is done, right? And and like again, every step of this value chain uh, has been like improved a lot amazing story man amazing story wow so uh we have to cut it here because yes 
uh, it's time for us to finish. But like, this story is so cool. Like th- I love this episode because we just like, you, what you have explained is basically what we talked about here on this podcast before. Inspired by the book and in theory how it can be done, and then you you really managed to live through the process. So amazing thing, an amazing story, and uh, like, I'm really happy that uh, you know I was part of it at least you know by you know helping you and helping you just make it happen. But I, I really I really am jealous, and I wish I would I would. I would have been there in this process involved because like it sounds like an amazing adventure. Yeah, if at the end of 2019 you told me that I would uh, go every day to a manufacturing operation that works three shifts and work physically for 12 hours a day and you know commute there and back 45 minutes each way and you know do manufacturing and that you know i i'd be i'd be uh kind of a, a a local warsaw expert in designing and manufacturing things out of pet foil um i would have laughed at you but that's that, <laughs> that, that's where i found myself this last couple of weeks michael so i, I i'm saying so like selfishly I, I i hope that you know after this adventure like like you would uh be happy to get back to some kind of, you know, boring <laughs> computing work, you know, where you don't have to <laughs> do <Yeah>. this. <laughs> but, uh, you know, let's see what future brings to us. But I'm happy that we, we did this and I'm, I'm happy that you got me uh, and not be involved. And, and I'm happy that you like, like you, you did it. Like really fantastic. Congratulations, man. Thank you, Michael. Can you, in your Zoom settings, disable HD? Because you're cutting off every now and then for a few seconds. Sure. Disable HD, yes. Right. Just did that. Much better. Mm -hmm. I mean, worse. (laughs)